you're here with us today for the first time, I want to welcome you. My name is Jay Duncan. It's my wife, Christy, down here. And it's our great privilege to lead Antioch Church in the senior capacity. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to pull those out. And today we're going to be starting a new series. Not exactly sure how long this is going to go. I've just uh, decided that I'm not going to uh, give a time limit to series anymore. It, um, thank you. I don't know how to interpret that clap, but I'll choose to interpret it positively. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, let's pray. Father, we bless you today. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your hand that has been so evident here in this room and amongst your people. And now, Father, I pray that as we dial our hearts in and tune our hearts in to the truth of your word, Father, I pray that hearts will be open and tender. And I pray that mindsets, Father, that you, that you would address mindsets that need to be adjusted or changed or completely rearranged by the power of your word. Father, I pray that you would affirm every single one of us. God, that you have chosen every single one of us for a holy work and you've chosen every single one of us for a holy calling. And uh, none of us are exempt from that. By the grace of God and the power of your blood and the power of your resurrection. I pray that hope would infuse our hearts. I pray that life and vision and dreams would invigorate us once again. And uh, that you would help us to begin to see life as you see life and to understand that everything is spiritual. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here in succession just to lay the framework and the foundation of what we're going to be getting into. And to give you a little heads up, uh, I'm going to start off today and hit this from the macro level the uh, bird's eye view, the big picture. And we'll probably stay on that for a few weeks before we get down uh, into the ground level of, well, how does this all affect me? And what about my gifts and my strengths and my, 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 my? We want to get there. All that's important. But if we begin talking about our strengths and our gifts and our talents and our assignment, our calling outside of the greater understanding of the kingdom than something that was innately designed to benefit and bless the kingdom will inevitably become about us. And so we want to, we want to hit some worldview topics. We want to hit some uh, global issues. We want to talk about how every single one of us fit within uh, a bigger framework of what God is doing at large and then we'll drill down into um, how we can serve that calling. Today, I'm going to talk about what I believe is perhaps one of um, the most important worldview truths that has been lost throughout the history of Christianity. I think that there are perhaps two of the greatest sins and dangers that religious clergy has propagated upon the church at large. One of those is that we have over the course of history and over the course of time, and I'm going to brush on that just a little bit today, we have helped to shape a mindset or an ideology that only those things which we deem to be spiritual have any value. And those things that are not overtly religious or in the realm of church, 
anything that doesn't fit within that circle or anything that doesn't fit within that sphere or that mountain is not as valuable or is not as important to the Lord. And in so doing, unbeknownst to us, I don't think this was happening consciously. I think, honestly, this was a ploy from the enemy. Uh, We have created uh, a mentality whereby people who are not a part of what we would call, quote unquote, vocational ministry or full-time ministry, which all work is vocational and full-time ministry. But we've created a mindset that people feel like second-class citizens if they're not doing something within the realm of what we would call the church sphere. And I think that's one of the greatest, greatest sins from a a belief system standpoint uh, that the church has propagated. And secondly, I would say, and we're going to touch on this a little bit today, that we've emphasized the gospel of salvation over the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm going to break those down and talk a little bit more about that. For some of you who've been with me for the past four years, some of this may be a little familiar and and some of this will be new. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, For those of you guys who are with us, perhaps for the first time last week, again, all of you who participated in the Scarlet Corps, what an incredible, incredible, incredible job you did. Yeah, give all these guys a hand. From the actors, to the set designers, to the costume designers, to those that were switching out mics in the back, sound, light, video. It was outstanding. And I want to tell you how proud I am of you and how, how excited I was to see every single one of you operating and being activated in your gifts and in your talents and your abilities in just a powerful way. Well, last week we focused on the story of Jesus and his life, his crucifixion. He was the sinless sacrifice and substitute for the sin of all humanity. Very simply what that means is the sin of all the world was put upon him and he took upon himself what rightly belonged to us so that we could be brought back into relationship and reconciliation with God. Uh, We saw last week how he rose again from the dead. And today what I wanna do is I wanna hit a couple of key passages here on the what next, what now. Being activated is really about understanding the what next, what now about the gospel of the kingdom. Being activated is really about understanding that Jesus came to be crucified and he came to be resurrected so that we could be restored back into relationship so that we could hear God's voice, so that we could be activated with power gifts, so that we could be on assignment with his mission to bring heaven to earth, to make everything around us look like it looks like in heaven. Because where the kingdom of God is, there is righteousness, there's peace, and there's joy. That's the fruit of the kingdom. And we believe here that the kingdom of God is transformational by nature. So wherever the kingdom comes, things change. Right In my heart, in my life, things I used to do, things I used to say, things I used to, partic- to participate in, things I used to enjoy that brought me pleasure. Well, as the kingdom of God comes, those things are transformed. And I'm no longer an old creature, I become a new creature. Right. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And just a prophetic sidebar here, I think this is for somebody. If you are buying into the idea that you cannot change, it is a lie. Because the truth of God's word clearly says, if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are constantly passing away and all things are constantly becoming new. 
So the idea that I can't change this, this is just something that I've inherited from my parents. This is a part of my personality. Well, biblically, everything that is not of God has the capacity to be transformed into that which is of God. And we ought to say amen to that because that gives us great hope and great excitement of victory there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus, after his resurrection, comes back to his closest followers and friends, his disciples. We'll begin in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority, would you just say with me, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It was a very, very powerful statement. He already had all authority in heaven. He came to the earth in the form of a man to get back all the authority in the realm of the earth to place it in the care of the people that God wanted to rule the earth and that's mankind, not the enemy. Therefore, he says, in other words, because I have this authority now, go. See, the purpose of authority is for a mission. The purpose of authority is for an assignment. So he says, I have authority, it's all mine, I give it to you, go, hear your marching orders, make disciples of all nations. Reading out of the NIV there, the literal rendering there is actually disciple the nations. Disciple the nations. Disciple the institutions. Disciple the spheres and structures that make up what a nation is. Been a lot of attention here in the past 10 years, uh, particularly in the realm of uh, the secular world, on how we can help developing nations. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And we're beginning to understand that to help a nation become all that that nation is called to be, we talked about prophetic destinies two weeks ago, how even on the scale of nations, that even nations have a reason for why they were put on the earth. They have a reason for why they're located geographically for where they're located. And they have a particular assignment that even on a nation's level that they're supposed to fulfill. We understand that. And so we're understanding that in order to disciple a nation, we actually have to disciple the structures that help create strong nations, i.e. education, right? If you're educating, the education of the classroom in one generation will become the law of the land in the next generation. So we understand that there are biblical principles that can help us live life well. There are biblical principles that support every field and every discipline of study. And when they come from a biblical worldview, they actually create the results of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. Am I communicating this morning? There's a biblical way to do economics. There's a biblical way to do business. And when we don't follow those biblical principles, we don't get heaven's results. All right, and then so very simply in Deuteronomy chapter 28, a really good, a really good uh, kind of uh, bird's eye view of this is God, as he was speaking to Moses, as they were raising up a nation, essentially says, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you disobey, you'll be cursed. You can translate that by saying when you follow a biblical worldview and you practice biblical principles on how to build a nation, blessing comes with that. Life, the right things are being emphasized. The things that lead to righteousness, peace, and joy are being emphasized. And if you don't, then things that are not like the kingdom come, you'll be cursed. Okay, and we don't want to get into all the debate of what that looks like right now. I think it's pretty evident as we look around us, we can see what looks like God and we can see what doesn't and we can see the fruit of his kingdom and we can see the fruit of the kingdom that does not belong to his. So let's just start with number one, 
One of the reasons why Jesus came and was resurrected is because he came to give us authority to disciple nations. Everybody say disciple nations. All right, let's go to the next gospel, Mark. Go to Mark chapter 16. And we'll look again at verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus again speaking to his disciples. Same context, different nuance. Very, very important. Verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news. Preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So in Matthew's rendering, the command is for us to disciple societies. Are you seeing that this morning? Matthew, in his angle of of Jesus's commission, Jesus says, I, I, I have sent you to go and disciple the prophetic destiny of nations. And that touches the spheres and the institutions and the arenas that make those nations up. And Mark, same, same situation. I believe there was a twofold commission, essentially, that Mark emphasizes the individual component of this. Now, this is why this is important, because gospel of the kingdom says that the kingdom of God touches all of the created order, agriculture, economy, education, government, everything that makes up what life is, the, king, the gospel of the kingdom says, God wants to come in to everything that makes up life and everything that makes up society, okay? The gospel of salvation stops with your personal decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The gospel of salvation is the entrance into the gospel of the kingdom. It's the starting point. When we end with the gospel of salvation, what we have is redeemed individuals and yet still unredeemed societies. And they work together and they affect each other. In fact, I wanna read something to you just to set the stage for uh, where I'm going with this as we talk about being activated. This is by an author named Landa Cope person who works uh, profoundly with YWAM. And uh, this is taken out of a book called His Kingdom Come. I'm gonna read here for a little bit because um, I think just summarizing the story won't really do it justice. I was channel surfing, mindlessly flipping through scores of TV programs to pass the time. I landed on a show where a British journalist was saying that Christians believe that many of their members being in a community will affect that community for good. The greater the Christian presence then, the greater the benefit to society at large. I agreed with the commentator. This is what we teach. The journalists had proposed to select the most Christianized city based on the largest percentage of believers that were attending church and to see how this influence worked out practically. Dallas, Texas at that time had more people per capita in church on Sunday than any other community in the country. The journalists had therefore studied the social demographics of Dallas to see how this Christian blessing worked out practically in the community. He presented various statistics and studies, including crime, safety on the streets, police enforcement, and the justice and penal system. We looked at health care, hospitals, emergency care, contagious diseases, infant mortality rate, the distribution of caregivers. We we reviewed education, equality of schools, tests, graduation statistics, safety, 
jobs, housing, generally economics were evaluated. Were jobs available? Was housing available? Did potential income match available housing? We looked at homelessness and programs for those unable to care for themselves. Each of these categories was evaluated using racial and economic factors. Was there equity, regardless of color, creed, or income, and so on? The program was perhaps an hour long, and I watched it alone. I was devastated. No one would want to live in a city in that condition. The crime, the decrepit social systems, the diseases, the economic discrepancies, and the racial injustice all disqualified this city from having an adequate quality of life. And this was the most Christianized city in America. I wanted to weep. The program was not finished. The host now took this devastating picture of a broken community to the Christian leaders and asked for their observations. He chose leaders of stature and integrity. One by one, each pastor viewed the same facts about their city that I had just seen. With simplicity, the narrator asked each minister, as a Christian leader, what is your response to the condition of your city? Without exception, in various ways, they all said the same thing. This is not our concern. We are spiritual leaders. We are spiritual leaders. There's a philosophy of thought called dualism that I introduced earlier in our talk that essentially says it's, it is a demonic false philosophy that actually finds its roots way, way, way back in the time of the scriptures from a philosophy called Gnosticism. The idea of dualism very simply says this, that which is material is bad. Money, land, books, anything that can be touched, anything in the created material order is bad. It's evil, it's sinful. And the thing that you really want to aspire to, the thing where the value is, is that which is spiritual. Only that which is spiritual has value. Only that which is spiritual, overtly spiritual, matters. Only that which is spiritual is eternal. This statement here by these leaders, we don't concern ourselves with these matters in the material order of our city because we are spiritual leaders, reflects reveals, betrays a Gnostic dualistic mindset that essentially says, if it's material, if it's natural, it's not worth our time. Let's keep reading here. The program was finished, the room was silent and my world began to crumble. I was shocked to silence by the facts. I had no argument against the case that this journalist had built. As Christians, we do say that our faith lived out will influence the society to good. We go beyond this. I've heard it said and have taught myself that it only takes 20% of society believing anything to influence, even lead the other 80% in a given direction. We teach that the gospel is good for a society, that its values will bless those beyond the members of faith 
But the facts from nations with high percentages of professing Christians do not support this. We must look at the facts. I was still grappling with questions. How could a community that is primarily Christian be in such abominable shape? How could the gospel result in such chaos? I began a four month trip to Africa. I visited primarily Christianized nations, Togo, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Uganda, South Africa. My anguish increased. Mission statistics that I had quoted with joy burned in my mind. Africa, 80% Christian, south of the Sahara by the end of this century. Africa, the most evangelized continent in the world. Africa, the most churched continent by the end of this century. Yet, in each nation, the story was the same. Poverty, disease, violence, corruption, injustice, and chaos met me at every turn. My heart was heavy as I traveled Africa, as I thought about my own nation, and my prayer became, Lord, what have we done wrong? Nearly 2,000 years of concentrated missions effort on this continent, how could it result in this? And God spoke simply and with a dawning revelation that would change my understanding of missions and my life calling fundamentally and permanently. He said, the devastation you see is the result of a gospel that limits itself to the preaching of salvation alone. I wanna talk with you for a few minutes here in our remainder of our time together that a true spirituality understands that everything is spiritual. Everything. From the way that we care for our bodies, from the way that we manage time. We've had a number of series here that we've done on stewardship, five areas of life that we're to steward. We're to steward our bodies, we're to steward our time, we're to steward our relationships, we're to steward our gifts, we're to steward our treasure. And it's actually in the process of learning how to work with material things that God teaches us very spiritual truths. These are parables in in the gospels that Jesus explains. He essentially says that if you learn how to work with something with another man that belongs to another man, if you can't do that, how could I entrust to you real riches? How can I trust to you revelation or how can I trust to you things that will affect the spiritual if you so demean and discount the things that are material that are actually the classroom that I have designed to teach you things that are of eternal nature. Friends, I want to encourage you today, do not discount and do not invalidate everything that is happening in your life right now. Every day of your life is training day. If you're not making as much as you want to make, it's a training program that God has designed to unleash the creativity of the creator within you, to raise you up to be a problem solver. Power is guarded by problems. There are some problems that we bring on ourselves. There are some problems that are actually designed by the Lord himself to be a training regiment to help mature you into the character, into the endurance, and to have the skill set. There are some things that are actually designed that will cause you to press further into God. You know what a problem does? A problem creates inside of you a fight or flight mentality. A problem will either drive you closer to God or it will paralyze you and cause you to give up and move away from God. But those problems have been designed by the Lord to say, come into the yoke of my discipling process so I can mature you up, so I can entrust you with greater authority. 
I believe this is from the Lord for you today. Whatever it is that you're managing right now, it is just the beginning. Understand that God wants to enlarge your vision of what he wants to do through your life, through your ministry. And in fact, the other thing I want to really get to today is that I want through this series, every single one of you to with great pride and with great joy and with great conviction, purpose, and passion, identify what your ministry is. I don't know if any of you had the opportunity to spend any time with Hank and Lorraine Bond either be over at their house or be at their life group or just interact with them in the altar, connect with their family, eight children. And when I look at the fruit of this woman's ministry, I can look and say that woman has an anointing and a calling and she has found her ministry. And that ministry is to take these eight children and raise them up to be pillars and oaks of righteousness in the house of the Lord and for them to transform nations because they understand the kingdom. And you look at the fruit of their lives. No, they're not perfect. No, they are not there yet. But we understand Lorraine says, this is my ministry and it's purposeful and it's valuable and it's valid. If any of you had the opportunity, let me just kind of, you know, throw this out here. If any of you had the opportunity to speak, whether it be in Antioch church or let's raise the stakes a little bit and say maybe you were at a conference where you were preaching to pastors or preaching to leaders. Maybe you were recruited to go on a mission trip and uh, you had an opportunity to speak to um, all the church planters that were in a particular nation that you were called to go to. Do you think that you would talk to the Lord about that? Yeah. Do you think that you would spend a little bit of extra time in the word, seeking some direction and seeking some revelation and seeking some truth and and getting a word from the Lord for that assignment. Anybody? How many of you would maybe just rest a little bit deeper into his presence? Try to lean in and hear his voice. Some of you may even resort to fasting because of the value that you place on that assignment. And here's how I know that we operate in a little bit of a dualistic mentality because if you really understood that the world is your field, then we would do all of those things every day for the work, the calling, the assignment that you have been positioned in all throughout this city. Moms, if the Lord has called you to stay at home and to raise up those children, fast for them. Cry out to God for revelation on how to get the keys to the hearts of your children. Seek the scriptures, develop curriculum, target your prayers, write out your blessings, be intentional, be strategic, right? Worship over that environment. Businessmen, there are keys and secrets and strategies that God has for you in the realm of business. And you know what? Let me, let me let you in a little secret here. It's not just to finance my job. There are kingdom ideas that God wants to put in you that he needs your gifts, your gift mix and your skill set, right? So that we can bring income into the kingdom because there are Christian schools that need to be started or orphanages around the world or there are inventions that need to be made. I mean, there's all kinds of things. 
What God wants to do in your life is greater than for you just to support this body. He wants to change a city. He wants to disciple nations. I want you to dream again. I want you to know that every day that you wake up, that everything you do is spiritual. Let's go to the scriptures because you guys are looking at me like you don't believe me this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want to try to tackle a couple improper beliefs. Improper belief number one is those things that are spiritual only that we deem spiritual. If I, if I deem it as spiritual, it's spiritual. Things that are, and if we, if, man, if we had a whiteboard here, we'd just draw two columns. Boom, column number one. And we put things over here like prayer. Oh, that's spiritual. And life groups and mission trips and worship and, and the Bible. Oh, that's totally spiritual. But... Um, studying to get a master's degree. So that I could be properly positioned to steward my influence, to advance the kingdom. Oh, that's not spiritual. All those books with all those weird names of people that, that they're clear. Those aren't Bible scholars. Why am I reading stuff that is written not by Bible scholars? How I steward my finances. Oh, that's not spiritual. I'm going to die anyways. It's all going to burn up. Right? Better use it now. Improper. Well, you know what, what else? Government. Oh, that's definitely not spiritual. Right? Laws. What about art? Oh, art's not spiritual. Did you know that throughout church history, it was actually the artists who were utilized to shape culture? How many artists we have in this room? I want you to look around here. Look at these artists here. Look at these artists. Look at this. For this little tiny house, look at the artists here. Let me just, let me just breathe some validation into you. We need you. We love you. We are so grateful for you, for the artists, the musicians, the painters, the photographers, the graphic designers, those that reveal the beauty and the glory of God through art. I'm telling you, I, I, am, I believe that within you, there are some ideas. I need your help. Yeah, seriously. I need your help. I believe that God wants to restore some kingdom artist guilds. Ah, uh, yeah, I do. I believe that I believe some of the greatest art has yet to be discovered. It has yet to be discovered. I believe that I believe if you would just pull together and just start meeting together and dreaming together and praying together and painting together and doing whatever it is you do together, I believe God will give you the ideas. He will give you the ideas. And I'm here to serve that, not the other way around. I said, I'm here to serve that. We are here to serve that, not the other way around. In fact, I just feel this by the Lord. I feel I need to repent on behalf of years and perhaps centuries where pastors have prostituted the gifts of people for themselves or for the sake of their institution. And I want to stand on behalf of Every bad experience that you've had, I'm going to stand on behalf of years of history and Christianity. And I want to say to you today, where you 
and the gifting and the calling and the talent and the ability and the skill and the passion of the Lord that is in your life, where that has not been validated, where that has not been valued, where that has not been showcased, would you please forgive us? Would you please forgive church leaders and church institutions? And would you please stick with us and help us, help us restore a movement of putting value upon every single person that is, there's some of you that work with your hands. My father-in-law, man, that man could do things with his hands. And he's been such a blessing in this house. How many of you guys, Edwin Morales or Chris Chapman has helped with your vehicle? I can't do that. I wish I could, but I can't, right? There are things that I'm good at. And then there are things that he's good at. And I tell you what an incredible blessing people like that are. And you know, what's happened is, you know, people who are great at that kind of stuff, you know, the first person, we'll get to this in a few weeks. Sorry, I'm just kind of going off the cuff here. You know, the first person that actually received the anointing of the Holy Spirit was a craftsman, an artisan, not a preacher, not a priest, not a worship leader. It was somebody who designed artistic pillars in the, in the tabernacle of the Lord. I, I feel the heart of the Father today for you, saying, son, I've put my fingerprints on your life. You know, we had a gal when I was in Generation Church, I was a pastor there, that girl, she wouldn't say a word to anybody when I first came in here. But every time I come in, she'd have this little sketch pad and the girl could draw the most amazing Japanese animated characters I've ever seen. She'd just sit there and she'd look around the room, she'd see somebody, she'd just sketch a picture of them, wouldn't see a word. Incredible gift. What is it inside of you? What is it inside of you? You know, I love what's happening here. I love these gals getting together and talking about oils and how to get, just, I love it. I do, I love it. I think it's outstanding. Go for it, do it, run with it, dream, create, innovate. Let those things be blessed, let them be prosperous. I mean, I could just go down the room and pick out every one of you that I know and highlight, and highlight really the good. Some of you are incredible with people. Man, use that for the glory of God. Let me just read the scripture so we can say we actually opened the Bible this morning. That's a good word right there, huh? All right, and then we'll close up. Colossians chapter three. Look at Colossians chapter three. And then uh, I just, I just wanna, I wanna pray an activation prayer over you and we'll spend some more time next week really unpacking this and, and taking our time walking through this. How many of you feel like the Lord is speaking to you this morning and he's breathing some hope and life and encouragement and strength inside of you? Every one of you is a minister and I don't mean that just from the, you know, go out and be a street evangelist, right? No, you, are, you have a ministry, And what I want to do is whet your appetite in the spirit that you dig into God and say, God, show me what my ministry is. Show me what that is. And some of you, you're going to find a great expression of that ministry here in this house. In fact, I'm learning and I believe that one of the things that we do, one of the opportunities that is here, whether it's working with children, man, Chris, by the way, incredible order today. I just watched this man stand up here, look at the guys and just do this little number right here. Usher's rolling out, bam, he's got an anointing of order and administration. Incredible. I love that. 
You know, one of the things that happens here in the house, and this is why it's so important to, to serve and get involved, is because serving matures you in discipleship, serving connects you with the community, and serving as a training ground in a safe environment to prepare you to be a sent one, to prepare you to be a sent one for your assignment outside the walls of the church. It's not an either or. And I'm gonna do my best as your pastor and leader to not hoard your gifts. In fact, I'm asking the Lord right now, who here has been serving because it's safe here and they actually need to get out even to the detriment of us not having that gift here, but that it needs to be expressed in the city so the kingdom of God can advance and somebody else can be raised up and they can be trained and they can be developed. And that's what it means to awaken, equip and send. But I need you to be activated. Heaven needs you to be activated. Colorado Springs needs you to be activated. Our state, the world needs you to say, I am not going to go to the grave without being activated one that spills my life, pouring my gifts out for the king and advancing his kingdom. Colossians chapter three, verse 17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all, everything, everything. Those of you who are in school, do your homework in the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen, pay attention in class. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you work on cars, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you make food for your family, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you're connecting with your neighbors, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you're selling insurance, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you work with your hands, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever it is that you do, there's gonna be some things here God's gonna to reveal to you on how to maximize your power, your authority, your anointing. The anointing is not just for church. It's not just for this area right here. And it's not just for Sundays. God's anointed you to be a husband. He's anointed you to be a father. I don't know about you, but after a long day, when I come home, my prayer is, before I turn off that key, before I go into another field of ministry, I say, Lord, I need you to anoint me. I need you to give me energy that I don't have. I need you to help me be creative so that I can be creative with my kids. I need you to help me be focused. Anoint me today in these three hours that I have before my kids go to sleep. Anoint me to maximize this time with them to minister to my children as a father. I need your anointing. I need your power. I need your strength. I need your grace. I need your creativity. I need the life of your spirit. I need to see those moments that I could not create, but you're bringing them to me. I need eyes to see those moments. I need that from you. I need the empowerment of the spirit of God to be a husband to my wife. I need it, and so do you. Let's stand to our feet this morning.